This season of Real History is brought to you by the Real History patrons. Join now to support the show at patreon.com slash realhistorypodcast. Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? What was life actually like during that time period? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. My name is Michael Tynan, and we men are wretched things, to quote Homer. <laughs> and my name is Mark, and I'm extremely hungover. Ah, doe, to <laughs> quote Homer. Um, another, yeah. another quote from the Iliad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the epic cycle. <laughs> this week we're talking about Troy, the 2004 epic historical film that I had somehow managed to either blot from my memory or completely miss. Yeah. Like, apparently there was this whole cavalcade of movies that all starred Orlando Bloom and they've all kind of been washed from my brain. I had, had forgotten slash didn't even know that this enormously budgeted production existed. I'm pretty yeah. envious of that, frankly. It was washed from your brain. Yeah, well, it's not washed now. It's three hours long. <laughs> it and is. We, we watched the director's movie. cut for this, and uh, don't yeah. do that, people at home. Don't do it. Although I think now the only version you'll find is the director's cut, because I this was the first time watching this for, for me. I'd never watched it when it came out. I think it came out in like really? 2004. Yeah, I think yeah. the same for me. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So for that, I was looking, what, what version should I watch? And the only one I could find was the director's cut which as you said it's like three hours 16 minutes um so it you know you do need to uh you know invest a little bit of energy i saw it in theaters i think Mm. of course i think it is i'm shocked (laughs) <laughs> I, I it's i i'm a theatrical cut guy these days like if there's a very popular film and then they do a director's cut it's like just i the theatrical cut is what made it a popular film that's the version people saw you know just, just stick with that and this is funny from someone who studied film right mm. like you'd think i'd want to empower the director i think it's these historical films they've just gotten to me like i can't do another alexander i can't do it and this is another alexander and they all came out this is the thing all of these movies like we've said it before but Every these this is the early two thousands, you know, uh, Iraq War epoch, and it mm. seemed that every movie was trying to chase Gladiator's success, yeah. and that's why we had like the year after this came out, we had Kingdom of Heaven, mm-hmm. um, Alexander, I think was around the same time, yeah, wasn't 2004? it? Two thousand four, two thousand, so the same year maybe, yeah. yeah, and then and then within a few years we had three hundred, I think that was yes. two thousand eight, so it, like it was seven a, maybe. So if this podcast had it came out then, you mm. know, we would have been, yeah, we would have been spoiled for choice. But uh, instead, it's uh, would nearly 20 years every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be also because we were, uh, we wouldn't have full-time jobs. That's also true. But I think, yeah, let me summarize then a one-sentence summary. <sighs> like, it's, it's the Iliad. So, like, if you've ever heard, heard of the Iliad, it's that, but without the gods. But the one-sentence summary I would do is... A prince elopes with the queen of another kingdom, leading to a war and a siege of a city where prominent warriors explore their honor and heroism by killing each other. <laughs> so that's basically Troy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a study in hubris and <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. Do you yeah, want to yeah. give us some more details on the film, Michael? Uh, why not? Why not? Uh, well, 
it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, um, who the late Wolfgang Peterson. Now, oh, is he actually. dead? Yeah. Um, who you know he he had a, a bit of a mixed career because he's well known for Das Boot, which is mm. just uh, something I enjoy saying. Das Boot, uh, which is sort of like a four-hour submarine. I had no idea that was the same director. Yeah, yeah, apparently well, that okay. was like what made him gave him his uh, yeah because that's yeah famous. I mean that's a, that's a famous movie yeah but it is a, like that is a four hour long mm. kind of is it German submarine mm-hmm. yeah. movie yeah. um in German yeah so yeah oh yeah no you have to be you have to if you're gonna watch that like it's get yourself comfortable like and, exactly yeah. but um he's also he did like kind of some classics like in the line of fire I think he did Air Force One. And the uh, never ending story I'm seeing here <laughs> yes. as well. Yeah, wow, what yeah, a career yeah, this guy's yeah. had. This yeah. is bizarre. Like, um, Outbreak, which was sort of about a pandemic. With, with Dennis... With, uh, oh, was it Hoffman? Yeah. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And um, Perfect Storm, which I actually really liked that movie. Um, is I, it the Clooney? Clooney movie with a boat in the middle of a storm. That's the one that saved uh, his career after Batman, isn't it? That's the one he did uh, after Batman, like sort of... People were like, okay, maybe he can act. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he's kind of got his, his chops. And apparently him, yeah. when, well, when, the, when the director was young, like he studied the Iliad um, in Greek. Doesn't show. Well. Does not show. <laughs> <laughs> so he should have known his source material. Um, and then it was written by uh, David Be- Benioff. Who's uh, well, of course most known these days for... Uh, driving Game of Thrones into the fucking ground. Although he was known for a long period of time being a very well-respected and like, yeah. it's it's sad. They did yeah. make a lot of good television. Uh, Does he still and, and make Vice anything Vice. anymore? Or? Um, well, they had a deal to make another TV show that kind of fell through. I don't know what they're at at the moment. Three-body problem. I'm just on his Wikipedia, but they had gonna, a deal they're to They're going to make the three-body problem, really? Well, I'm seeing it on Wikipedia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's like a really, really renowned science fiction. Series. It's uh, supposed to premiere next January yeah, on Netflix. So. Wow. In, as a show or as a... Yeah. So, so what, you know, breaking space. news here. I by know, the time you... I, I know listen- some people are going to be furious <laughs> yeah. to hear that they're making this. Like. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably out, <laughs> given yeah, yeah, the timing of our recordings and releases. They were, also, <laughs> they were also briefly contracted by Disney to do Star Wars. And then yes, they were. They were. They, but were. They, were, they were dropped from that, though. Yeah. And they were going to do a TV show where uh, the uh, Civil War in the US never settled and it turned into two separate states. But everyone kind of realized that having two white dudes write that show might be a bit problematic, so it was cleaned as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, this yeah. will be fine. <laughs> and of course, we have a cavalcade of oh, famous actors. In well, this well, as well, this is it. You know, uh, in terms of the cast, it's and it's an unusual one because, like, you've got it's Peter, a power. It's a powerhouse cast. There's yeah, yeah, big uh, actors in this. Like, yeah, and it's sort of imbalanced, I think, because you've got, well, Brad Pitt, obviously, as Achilles, um, who I don't think is a very memorable performance. I kind of feel I, like... I, w- I would go so far as to say this is probably his worst performance in his professional career. I, I, I would say stop that. Like. Well... Just in his... Just in his I mean, he, I mean, his, like, the stunt work and stuff and the combat and all that... Like that that's he that's impressively done, but his line delivery and stuff like that, it's probably the worst I've ever seen him. Mm. Not I don't think he's a particularly talented actor, don't get me wrong, but like, He looks <laughs> he looks good in the role, you know, know in terms of his like, Yeah, no, in terms of just aesthetically, he does look like a, a kind of a, a warrior from yeah, the Iliad that you and, might and, and, and he and he's there for star power and look, I don't have any problem with 
rap head or whatever. Like, I like some of his performances in films, but he's not a guy that you'd say, like, you know, he's not in the upper echelons of American thespians or anything like that necessarily. Uh, yeah, but you I, know what I mean? He's a movie star. Like, but, but, but even at that, I think this is his least committed performance. But I think what you're saying about line delivery comes to, like, the, one of the core problems of the film, which is that it is kind of the Iliad but the tone of it, they kind of don't know what to do exactly with the tone and the way people speak to each other, this kind of formal, like drawing some inspiration from the Iliad, Absolutely. but it's not like they're quoting it either. They're trying to make something realistic in a sense, because I sa- as I said, and we'll get into, the Iliad has a lot of fantastical elements in it, mm-hmm. and this is more or less supposed to be like realistic. There's no overt magic or presence of gods or anything yeah. like that it's only sort of suggested and so that tone points. like it's kind of like am i on a stage delivering theater mm-hmm. is it a film what and some of these actors do really that, well with it but maybe that, that's Brad all Pitt. that's all true but i but i would say i accepting that point he handles it the least well of everyone and he's the star, so he he's the one who has to handle it the best. He did, but say, to, me, to me, it's like this Ken is doing Shakespeare in the park. That's that's, that's, what, <laughs> he's like. that's what this movie mm-hmm. is. Like. Uh, well, apparently, in his defense, he did say he didn't really feel comfortable making the movie, but he did get like seventeen and a half million to do it. So you, sh- you know, enough, yeah, make I, an effort. You know, you know. <laughs> All the same, give, it, give it give it a go, Brad. Will you? Um, yeah. And I suppose it's more though that. Because it, this also stars our one of our favorites, listener our Orlando Bloom, oh God. who kind of has his resting, um, vacant expression <laughs> face during the whole film. Uh, so because compare, you have Orlando Bloom, you have Brad Pitt, um, but then you're going up against giants of theater, like Peter O'Toole plays yeah. Priam, uh, sort of the king of Troy. Uh, then you've got. Um, Brendan Gleeson playing Menelaus, mm-hmm. and you have Brian Cox uh, playing. That that was casting I really liked. I liked Agamemnon and Menelaus as the Atreides. Like I thought, they, I thought they're, they're believable as brothers. Yes, I yes, they are, yeah. I they're both really was... gruff and yeah. warlike, and yeah. apparently Will Brian you come Cox, to war with me, brother. That yeah, thing, yeah, yeah cool. Oh, but and they're excellent on scene. It's really watchable. They're the best, like some of the best, most engaging scenes. But apparently, this is one of the only films Brian Cox says um, that he's ever chased the role. He wanted to. He be wanted him. to be Agamemnon. Oh. Yeah, he wanted to be him, and you can really you can tell. tell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's really doing his best. Like, yeah. So um, apart from that, we've got Diane Kruger, um, who plays Helen, and oh. she is beautiful. She is. Uh, <laughs> she is absolutely beautiful. And I also remember, I didn't realize she also played um, sort of the, uh, in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, she's the spy. Yeah, yeah and she was excellent she's Very good, that, that, yeah. you know. So she is well able to, to act as well, I think. You don't give her a lot in this, though. She's, no. She doesn't get to do much. Like. No, she kind of, in a way. Nor do any, nor do any of the women in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But she does sort of, with Orlando Bloom, she does sort of almost like... They're not believable at all together, I don't think. No, no, no they're not. But she does kind of, uh, like, Orlando Bloom, I know there's getting into the film, well, uh, but Orlando Bloom at one time is like, let's just run away together and uh, I will hunt deer and, and this type of thing. And she's just kind of like, it's like, who's yeah. this guy, gormless Egypt? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, You'll what's hunt deer. You couldn't buy venison in a butcher th- shop. This is that. it, you, you know? know? I mean? yeah. So she, I think she does, she does not, doesn't play the worst performance at all, but well, in general, it's just a, a story of night and day with the cast. You've got great performances um, from sort of established theatre actors, and then you've got Orlando Bloom. 
<laughs> Orlando Bloom, I would say, is almost good casting because of how they choose to do Paris, his character, as a vapid fop. Like, he's yes. an idiot, and he's plainly an idiot in the movie, the way they've chosen to do it. And so he kind of fills the role of that the way he's like, we'll go off and do this. And you're like, oh, this fucking idiot. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're supposed to feel, I guess. So I guess he's doing a fine well, job. Well, he's far more convincing than in Kingdom of Heaven. Mm. It's Balian or Vibelin. Anyway, you know, he's <laughs> definitely, yeah, he's definitely a, a, a more convincing Paris. He, he's obviously very, uh, you know, um, handsome. Um, he's yo- he's a but young. The thing, the thing is, the thing is, even in, in I don't think he even is though in Troy. He's he's so egregiously effeminate. He's so he's he's like his hair is fabulous. Like and he's wearing sparkly clothes and stuff. He's not like that's not how he's portrayed in other movies. You know what I mean? In in the, in the more traditionally hetero sense, like you know mm. the way that like he is in Kingdom of Heaven or even in the pirates movies and stuff. He's very very just glammed up and fabulous in this like you know yeah, I mean? Legolas. and it doesn't work yeah. with with uh opposite uh, uh helen because it's it just she, she he's weaker than she is like so it's it's hard to believe that she ran off of him like. it's the there it the relationship it it's, really it's not like you said it's not you don't become in mo- emotionally engaged you don't think no. these are two people that are so desperately in love that we're going to start a war you know, across the Aegean. It's yeah. just not really, really uh, like believable in that case, you know. But apart from that, anyway, a bit of trivia on the movie before we dig into Wait, it. wait, wait. Sean Bean, though. Oh, lest we forget Odysseus and he doesn't even himself. die. He, he doesn't, doesn't even die in it. One like. of his few performances where he gets to yes. live. Yeah. Uh, Odysseus, yes. Sean Bean is excellent, as he normally is. Yeah. And he never let, lets you down, Sean Bean. That's the yeah. thing with him. Like, let's be honest. Know. If Sean Bean and, and I, I saw this commented elsewhere as well, like Sean Bean would probably have made an excellent uh, Achilles if he was younger. But they probably wanted because he does. They wanted a movie star, though. Yeah, for Achilles, which is under, I think. I mean, it's understandable why they would want Brad Pitt. I well, remember Achilles when he needs made, to have that star power that yeah, a movie star would have. 100%. So it's not like a bad thought anyway. To no, I mean, I mean, it's it, it, in, in a way, like Brad Pitt as Achilles is kind of obvious. Yeah. yeah. Well, he had just been Boromir in Lord of the Rings. Sean, so so I do think he was a well-known actor. Yeah, but, but is he but is he well known enough that a studio would hang a multi-million dollar? Is he buff yeah. enough? Like Achilles is supposed to be like this gorgeous, larger-than-life character, mm-hmm. isn't he? And. Uh, yes. I think we Sean all Bean have a different image of what he's like in our heads, you know. Probably. Yeah. Well, actually, like, I mean, also, we'll we'll get well, into he's this. A, he, he's a demigod, like, I mean, he's... Yeah, in we'll get into this as well, but, like, the Iliad, to me, when I learned about it, boring as fuck, uh, compared to the Odyssey. Like, mm, yeah. you know, the, my memory, and I found out when I was watching this, I actually remembered more of the Iliad than I thought, because I was like, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> but, uh, like, yeah, there's my my impression of the Iliad, and again, we'll get into it, but it was like, yeah, there's big fights in it, but this story goes on for, like, ten years, a bunch of personal drama. It is all about, like, the heroism and, like, honor and where following that to its conclusion leads to the horror of war, all very complex topics. But for me, reading it, like, compare that to the Odyssey, an episodic land on different islands meet yes. magical challenges and monsters you know at a filibustiary of fantastical adventures like that's the archetypical fantasy quest so obviously the young me was very into the odyssey and the mm. iliad was like the prequel that i didn't care much about so where's where's the tv series with sean bean as Odysseus? that's what i'm saying i would much rather island have. hopping across oh, the mediterranean i, I, as he I makes would, his I way would home. lap that up like <laughs> that would be you know i would love that I'd yeah. say Sean Bean would like it too, to be yeah. fair, yeah. yeah. Uh, but just in terms of the reception of the film, it made 
a ton of money. So it was made from 185 million, which is a big, big budget Especially at the back time. Then, that, that's huge money for the time. Exactly, but ne- made nearly 500 million. So it yeah, was really. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't realize. Yeah. It was that was mostly. Yeah, mm. a, a lot of it was international, right? It yeah. wasn't a big hit in the U.S. necessarily, but overall, okay. it it earned a fair amount. It made it made a lot of money. And um, if on Rotten Tomatoes, it gets 53 percent. So really, that's not, higher than I thought. That's no, higher. not great. But then the director's cut on IMDb is coming in at like 7.3 out of 10. No, yeah. really. So the director's cut is considered better than the theatrical by critics, anyway. Whether you think so or not, I know you're not the big, biggest fan of this film. Martin. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. I'm not the biggest fan of the film, yeah, that's fair. The director's cut adds in a bunch of violence and gore, um, which wasn't in the theatrical cut, and I don't mm. know if that's because they were trying to hit a certain rating yeah, or what, but like, was, yeah. you can tell that they've added that stuff in because every fight in this, you get to it and you're like, oh, this is why they wanted to make this, was to have a bunch of this like yeah. <laughs> violence, which is appropriate given the themes yeah. of the film. Uh, but yeah, the sack of Troy and all of these things are like they're shown in much greater detail. Also, the sex scenes are extended in the in the director's cut, of course, show a bit more nudity. Um, yeah, and I just think as well, be if with the cast, uh, we'd have to mention. I think Eric Bana plays a good Hector. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, who I wouldn't really know from other stuff necessarily. He was in Munich. I loved in that film Munich when I was growing up. I don't know if it's a speed. Eric Bana is actually a stand-up comedian. Like he's, yeah, you know, like that's 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 what his background is, and and then he just yeah he did a bunch of serious roles, and then people just think of him as a serious actor. But yeah. Munich is the movie I would think of yeah. most related to him. Yeah, for sure. yeah, but I I think he does a, he plays good a very good Hector. He you actually he's one of the only characters in the film that they try to develop emotionally. They show that he has a family. Mm-hmm. They show that you know he has a kid. Um, he seems to actually have his head screwed on, like he doesn't want to fight. But he'll defend the honor of his brother, even though he knows his brother is a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and now you could argue that they're developing his character so much because they know that in the battle with Achilles, mm-hmm. he's unlikely to come out on the good side of it, you know. But still, I think of all the actors in it, um, of, of the younger generation of actors, he, he, he does stand out for me. Yeah, and he was the Hulk in the 2003 uh, film. The version, yeah. Yeah, that's the only yeah. main thing I know him from, even though he's been in a lot, a lot of other things as well. Um, yeah, so that's some details on the film. Um, it's not great. Like, it's not great, is it? It's forgettable. It's not as bad as Alexander, though, I should say. It's just... What Alexander does is it draws you in with the expectation that it's going to be this great sweeping thing, and it's just really boring. And, and the script is just really weird it doesn't work this movie at least moves along a little bit I know it's a long movie but it's it doesn't feel as long as Alexander mm-hmm. the battle scenes aren't bad the battle scenes aren't bad you know the shield formation I don't know if you remember there's a yeah. where they kind of do the hedgehog with the shield uh, even this we'll get into it but the actual sacking of the city I think was like, yeah it showed well. it like it was chaotic and brutal yeah. and lots of fire it showed like what would happen if you were frustrated trying to get into a place for mm. 10 years yeah yeah, and then you suddenly can get in <laughs> yeah know? except in this film they never reference that it's 10 years at all it's like a couple of weeks the way it's yeah. portrayed <laughs> yeah. in yeah, this yeah, yeah. it's one big difference yeah 
But let's like <laughs> let's dive into it. So this is during the Bronze Age that it's set, right? Like uh, people at home, what they would probably have an idea of is the Iliad, one of the oldest pieces of literature we have from Western civilization, yeah. and like a very important one, the prequel to the Odyssey, as I said. Um, but <laughs> a great poem, yeah, great poem. Um, but. Yeah, let's get into it. So this is during the Bronze Age. How? Because because to me it can all be a bit muddled, like ancient Greece, uh, the Egyptians. Like I'm like, yeah, when yeah, is yeah. this happening? Because Troy, unlike you know Rome, you wouldn't really know where that is or when Rome would have been sacked or if it's real. A bunch of different stuff we can get into here. But yeah, the Bronze Age setting that we're in. What's life actually like? What's happening in this time period? So I think the first thing to say with the Bronze Age is that. The way you would think about ancient Rome, that's what the Bronze Age was to the ancient Romans. Yeah. So the Bronze Age is roughly agreed to, to begin around three 300 BC. So like five and a half thousand years ago. So it runs for a period of about 3,000 years-ish. There is actually a date that people kind of agree. Eleven seventy-five BC is the is the end of the Bronze Age, and the, the reason we won't get into the reason for that. We can maybe talk. Bronze about went really out of fashion. Yeah, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the market yeah. collapsed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, so this takes place in the Bronze Age, and in the Bronze Age world, the 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 where where you would think of as Greece is sort of the western extremity of the Bronze Age world. And it's a series, there are a series of various polities that exist in the Eastern Mediterranean, of which one is Egypt. And Egypt is, is obviously a very powerful one. And because it's powerful, the, the other countries that exist, or the other kingdoms or tribes and things that exist around, that they are dealing with, that they have a trade network with, are often referred to in academia via the Egyptian name. Um, we refer to the Greeks of that time as the Mycenaean Greeks. And the reason we're called, we call them Mycenaean Greeks is because the largest of the palaces in what's Greece of that time was in Mycenae. That's the place that Agamemnon is king of. So we Where call is them the, that on the map of Greece today? So that's, that's in the Peloponnese, in the North Peloponnese. So if you go right down to the south of mainland Greece, the, the Peloponnese is the little bit that looks like an island, but it's connected by a little land bridge to the uh, southeast of Athens, southwest of Athens. Um, so that area there is, is called the Peloponnese after Pelops. Well, I'll explain that later. So we call them, we call this the Mycenaean age when, when, we, when we're talking about the, the Greeks. And these are not the Greeks that you think of with, with regard to like the... Togas. Yeah, this is not like the war with the Persians. This is not like 300. This is not this the is Greeks. This is their that, origin story. This is their origin myth. This is the, this is the age before those people existed. Yeah, so, because we do have the Spartans in this. And like yeah. you're, as someone who's consumed 300 or a lot of other media, your ears kind of go, oh, the Spartans. Yes, I know them. Yeah, but these are not those Spartans. They're culturally very different. They don't dress or look like the Spartans. Sparta isn't a warrior society any more than... Any of the other cities? I mean, I mean, it is, but not not more than any of the other Greek cities. Athens is not a big player at this time, for example. Um, the, sort of the, the big cultures that exist are Egypt, obviously. Um, the Egyptians r- refer to the Greeks as Ahiyawa. That's that's what they call Greece, um, and that's like the Egyptian for Achaean, which is what the Greeks are called in the Iliad, the Achaeans. Mm-hmm. And Achaea is just a region of the Peloponnese where Mycenae is. Because so the Egyptians, to my layman's ears, they've been around forever. Like, even if yeah, it's around, it doesn't yeah. matter. There's, yeah. there's some sort of Egyptian uh, society the going Egyptians on. are always knocking around, yeah. So there's the Egyptians in, in, in Egypt and into a little bit of what's now the 
the Levant. Um, there's the Mycenaean Greeks or the Ahiyawa, and they're in what we think of as Greece, but also they're along the the western coast of Turkey. There are Mycenaean cities there, which is how they will have been in contact with Troy. Troy is um, to the north of the eastern coast of the western coast of Turkey, so it's near some of the Mycenaean colony cities. So there will have been trade between Troy and the Greek and the Greek uh, mainland and the Greek cities. They will have known each other. That's why there's a trade mission in the movie. You know, they're over the Trojan princes are in are in Sparta. That's why they're there because there's they're they're looking to form a kind of a treaty. To the to the east then of Troy, there's a great empire which is in the which is in the, the center of what we would now think of as Turkey, and they're called the Hittites. And the Hittites at various times in Bronze Age were sort of the power, and they have. Uh, they were involved in the first recorded battle in history against the Egyptians, the Battle of Kadesh, which is this massive chariot battle, and that happened in the in the in the Holy Land. So they're a major, major power. I was going to say I haven't really heard of them, but I guess they don't have an Iliad about them to like keep their memory. If alive. they did, it was destroyed. Yeah, let's 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 because this let's, is this is old history. Like the yeah, fact that yeah. we even have so the, so the Hittite sites still exist. I mean, there yeah. are there are cities that and towns and villages that exist now that were originally Hittite towns, but because the Bronze Age is such a long period of time, certain empires rise and fall at the expense of others. There's another group called the Matani, and they're, they're sort of modern-day Syria. They're eventually overthrown by the Assyrians, who are from actually from what we would regard as northern Iraq. They border with Babylonia, which is settled on, settled on Babylon. Um, beside Babylon, then, in what we would regard as the south of Iran, is a group of people called, the Elam, called Elam. And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning all these things is these polities, these kingdoms, these city-states are all interconnected via trade to a much greater degree than you might think given the distance of time that we're talking about. So when this Trojan War, if it did or didn't happen, there was an internationalist element to this war. It wasn't just a bunch of Greeks going sack a city. Troy has allies. It's, a, it's an ally of the Hittite Empire. There are other city-states in what we now think of as Turkey that are allied and by treaty must send troops. So in the Iliad, when they say it's a 10-year war, one of the reasons it's a 10-year war is it isn't just a load of Greek cities struggling to beat one city. They're fighting this international confederation centred on the city of Troy. And I suppose the Mediterranean is a big part of why that international trade even exists. Absolutely. Yeah, so other other polities that are uh, sort of worth noting is uh, there's there are, there's a kingdom on Cyprus which had big trade uh, relations with Egypt. It's really funny as well because if you read the, the the translations of the letters that we have from the Egyptian pharaohs, they, they, they refer to each other as brother, mm-hmm. two kings. So my brother, I send you this ship that has been laden down with uh, you know purple dye and all the, you know Isn't this kind that of stuff. A, like, a sign that of like mutual respect. Mutual respect. Yeah, yeah. if a king is older. They often refer to him as father. So they say, father, I, I, I ask, would you send me a, a, some noble women for my brothers to marry? This kind of stuff, you know. Um, of course, at this time, we've also got the Canaanites, which is in modern-day Palestine, Israel. And uh, uh, that, that population changes as well. I mean, I know people are... You know, there's the whole thing of the Exodus. That, that, there isn't actually any evidence for that being true at all. Um, so the Hebrew people are there. Are, are, are Canaanites, they are there in that part of the world as well, and they're ver- at various times there are city-states and sometimes they're unified, sometimes they're not and then there's a later group called the Sea Peoples, 
one of whom are called the Peleset, and they're settled by the Egyptians in what becomes Palestine. And that's why Peleset and Palestine sound like similar words, because mm. they are the same word. So that's where those people come from. They're also the Philistines, who you might know from David and Goliath. Goliath is the Philistine uh, champion. Um, so all of the, the whole world is completely interconnected, the Bronze Age world. But this poem, this cycle of poems, are a work of art from a later period of Greek history, after the Bronze Age has collapsed. So the Bronze Age collapses around 1175 due to climate change in, in one, in, for one uh, instance, but there's also a series of crop failures. And then there's a massive invasion of people called the Sea Peoples. And they seem to, over a period of several decades, attack various different points in what we would think of as the Bronze Age world, including in invading Egypt. One of those groups, as I just said, is the Peleset, but a lot of them, we don't know who they are. The Sea People. They're just called the Sea People, yeah. yeah. Because that's how they're referred to in inscriptions. We don't, we just genetically, we don't know who they are. It is believed that the Peleset are Greek. And the reason we believe that is because the, the archaeologists uh, the archaeological evidence suggests that the Peleset that come in and really damage Egyptian military strength are people who fled from Mycenaean Greece. Why did they flee? In the traditional uh, sort of epic tales, it's because of the returns of the sons of Heracles. So it's the, the invasion from the north of an ethnic group called Dorians. Those are the people who become the Spartans, what we think of. Mm. So it, it's, it's really far in the future, really. Well, the Dorian invasion is what brings about the Greek Dark Ages in Greece. And it's believed that that invasion causes Greek cities to leave their towns and join the Sea People's attacks in the Eastern Mediterranean. So all of these things are linked together. Mm. The reason I'm bringing all of this up, basically, is this is the context in which there's a folk memory of this great war. Mm. Yeah, how long after the supposed events is this work, quote, written? Because one of the few things I remember from studying this is, is it's not really a piece of writing, is it? No, it's, it, it's not. So this is, this is epic poetry, which will, be, will have been memorized. And it's attributed to Homer, but we don't even know if Homer was a real person. That's, that's the, the, the crazy part of it. But it was even, so this was even ancient history to him, and he, was it the, supposed to be the 8th century? The 8th century, yeah. So, so Homer is alleged to have existed in the 700s. The Trojan War is likely to have been in the 1200s. So 500 years. So it's 500 years before. But, but remember, if we're saying the Bronze Age collapsed in 1175, the period between 1175 and 700 is known as the Greek Dark Ages. Mm. And it's called that because we just don't know what happened then. There's no mm. writing has survived. There's certainly dramatic upheaval in the political structures. The palace uh, structures, the Mycenaean palaces, they collapse. And they become, over time, replaced with what we think of as ancient Greece. So the, the, the city-states of Sparta and Athens and Corinth and all of those places. Built on the, the, the ashes. They're built on the ruins yeah. of the people who are being portrayed in this movie. Mm built on the ruins of their culture. And when I say it's like on the ruins of them, they don't even really speak the same language. It's a different form of Greek. They, they don't, the writing isn't the same. It's, it's the classical Greeks who adopt the, the, the alphabet from, 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 the, uh, from the Levant. And that's, that's, that's how the Greek language starts to be written down. So was Homer real? We don't know. Eventually, did any of this happen? We don't know. <laughs> did any of this happen? We don't know. We do know there was a war there. Mm. 
there, we do know there was a Troy. We have found it, and we knew we know there were wars there. What I love uh, when I was looking into this um, was, and and just getting back to the point you you made earlier that like we 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 it's so vague in the distant past that yeah. ancient Rome can easily bleed into ancient Greece and into this Bronze Age period and that, but like even when I when I read that even Alexander the Great. Um, him of you know the hair and the empire um <laughs> the hair and the empire yes <laughs> um, him in 334 bc so like obviously hundreds of years after these events could even thousand, could even be a thousand years yeah. a thousand years after these events he was in anatolia so modern day uh, turkey where we think that Troy was and he you know sac- uh, sacrificed to um pericles and or not Pericles, uh, Petro... Petroclus. Petroclus and Achilles. So for him, he was even aware of these stories. And for him, that was ancient history. So we look back on Alexander the Great as being, you know, antiquity. And he was looking back on this period of the late bronze as antiquity. So it's really fucking old. (laughs) So so to to answer the question, Jacob, that's why these people don't look like the Romans or the Greeks that you're expecting to see. Mm -hmm. Because they aren't them. They're, they're ancient ancestors. Yeah, and when we talk about Dark Ages, as we know, uh, that usually relates to a lack of records rather yes. than, you know, any societal decline, as people like to think. Yeah. But, but I was wondering about, like, the level of technology and the level of, like, what everyday life would mm-hmm. be like if we have knowledge of that, say, during the time of the Iliad, mm-hmm. where that's set, mm-hmm. versus a thousand years later, because all of that is kind of a mess right in our minds like we don't necessarily the average person doesn't know the difference and i don't know if we can even describe that here and now but like what would life have been like chariots used a lot, yeah. a lot of chariots it's, i got that yeah. Char- Char- chariots for sure spears yeah the difference i would i would say between like the bronze age, if we just stick with greece since that's what we're talking about like the the difference culturally or or what life was like for your average person in bronze age greece versus classical greece is that Bronze Age Greece is a noble warrior culture, so it it it's it's would be kind of familiar if if uh, if there's anyone Irish listening, it'd be kind of familiar to 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 you for what what the way ancient Ireland is described. So you would have kings, nobles, you know, princes, semi godlike people, <laughs> people who would be trained in uh, single combat, in ritualistic styles of combat. Armies would be reasonably small, but they would be, they would have like chariot units where, you know, a, a noble warrior would be brought to the battlefield by a charioteer and sort of dropped off. And then they would run into battle on foot and then the charioteer would sort of act as a support unit. That's who Patroclus is to Achilles. Patroclus is Achilles, uh, he's his chariot driver. I heard that the, the, the theory is that the, that, the reason chariots were so prevalent uh, compared to later times was that the actual breeds of horses that exist yeah. at the time were a lot smaller. Yeah. So it just was, you know, less practical. Really. Well, we yeah. did, we, yeah, because it, it, I mean, it's earlier in the development of human societies and we don't have as many thousands of years of breeding. Interbreeding of horses. Interbreeding animals. Yeah. Strong stallions. Well, everything was yeah. smaller. Cows and everything was yeah, smaller yeah. too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's... Humans were smaller. Humans were smaller, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, maybe dogs might have been bigger. Although m- maybe not bigger than Jacob's dog, but um, <laughs> but, um yeah. So so bro- bronze history. <laughs> the Bronze Age Greek culture is a, is a, is a, is a culture of kings, nobles, and and a warrior elite. Whereas classical Greece 
um, had more nuance. So some cities were oligarchies calling themselves democracies. Some cities had kings that other cities would refer as refer to as tyrannies. That's not necessarily a negative, by the way, tyranny. That's just what they call it. Yeah, one person. A one, one person rule. Yeah, and and the 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 concept of democracy is a, is a classical Greek thing that doesn't exist at all in the Bronze Age. Let's just forget it. Like that's just not that's just not a thing in Greece. So it, it is all about the 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 yeah the noble warrior culture and that and those are the characters that these stories are focused on it's the no, noble warriors they're all princes and, and and what we would now think of as the lords you know they they would they weren't called that but that's that's what they like Achilles is not a king but he's a noble yeah he's you know? called my lord my throughout lord, the yeah. film yeah, yeah yeah which isn't a, isn't something he would have been called but there's lots of there's lots of instances in these kinds of films and 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 in this period of history where we like to project modern concepts onto them, like one I always, that that often comes up about you know the Achilles Patroclus thing is like, oh is he gay? The Greeks don't have the concept of gay. It doesn't it, there is no such thing as gay and heterosexual. That's a modern idea. But to quote Father Ted, I believe the Greeks actually invain, invented invented, gay, invented, gay. invented gayness. Is You'll right. have to explain what Which Father I've heard Ted someone say not. randomly before and I was like, that's quite an offensive thing to say. <laughs> and then I realized that's a quote from a popular sitcom in Ireland, uh, yeah. Father Ted. <laughs> what, what, what was it in, what was it in when he said the Greeks invented sex and thank God the Romans introduced it to women? It was, oh that was that was in, that was also but it's also from a sitcom. Like it's not it's not serious, but anyway. But yeah, they don't like that, that those kinds of concepts don't exist. So our our, our ideas of you know, is the Lord of this or the Duke of that? None of that exists. It's just not I that. was surprised that even you know when you're reading the story about um, that there would have would have been a Greek coalition of mm. like city states mm-hmm. formed under even then. Yeah, at that period, I was kind of like, going, oh, okay, you know. Um, so the very fact that they were that organized. Um, yeah, and this is the, this is the strange thing. The more work, the more archaeology, the more study of the Bronze Age it's done, the more the more we sort of have surprised ourselves at how actually pretty developed mm. a lot of the cultures were. Um, because we can't really take the Iliad as a source, right? I mean, there's gods in it, as we were just yeah. discussing. So the, I mean, the, so the Iliad is 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 part of cycle of stories it's the second part in a cycle of stories so you off mike earlier you you referred to it as the, or maybe it was on like you refer to it as like the prequel to the odyssey and it, it, it actually isn't the prequel to the odyssey the odyssey is the second last in a cycle of greek epic poems and they deal with the lead up to the lead up on causes of the war then they deal with stages of the war of which the Iliad is one part, and then the fallout for the war of some of the main characters, which is what the Odyssey is, and then and then Odysseus's end. This, the bit that comes after the Odyssey is called the Telegony, where one of Odysseus's kids kills him, because of course, because like, it has to be tragic. Like, um, so the Iliad is is very much the second part, and I think the thing that people might be confused to know, I suppose, about it is that like. The famous things you think of Troy don't happen in the Iliad. Achilles doesn't die in the Iliad. The the shot in the heel thing that happens in the later in one of the later chapters. The Trojan horse doesn't happen in the Iliad. That's not what the Iliad is about. Who is the real star of the show, really? Like if you're a kid, what you remember about the Iliad is the wooden horse. Yeah. But you're saying it's No, not yeah, the, the horse is the star of the of the war, for sure. <laughs> and it's the idea of Odysseus, which is, you know, 
Mm. I, like for me as a kid reading the Greek myths, like Odysseus is my favorite guy. Like he's, he's, he's the guy. Like you know what I mean? It's uh, not or a king. Hector. Hector. Hector's well. pretty like, good yeah, too. Like yeah, Hector Hector's pretty too, good too. Yeah. But I think I think I got more of an appreciation of Hector as I was older. But as a kid, what you were saying about it being the, the great adventure story, that's that's the Odyssey. And he that's outsmarts Odyssey. people. He's that's clever, the yeah. thing that's yeah. interesting. It's not about his fighting ability. He's, he's pretty handy with a sword, but that's not really what it's about. Like, And he's the favourite of Athena because she's the wisdom goddess. You know, it's the, that kind of thing. That's that's why I always liked him. Getting back to just what you were asking as well, Jacob, about um, wh- what was life like at this period. One thing that I, when I looked into the inaccuracies that they or not so much inaccuracies or differences between the source material, the Iliad and the, and the film was one thing that's pretty blatant is they put in the film, you see them placing the kinds on the eyes mm-hmm. of the corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, there's no evidence that there that's was not something that they did. Yeah. Yeah. There was, but there was no evidence for coinage yeah. either at that time. So, like the Greeks traditionally would have put the kind on the tongue, the tongue, yeah, for the ferryman, yeah, Chiron, the ferryman. Yeah. So there, so there, so there, to give you an idea, there maybe the economy wasn't so developed in term monetary terms mm. as as it might have been at a later stage. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was much more the econ- the economy of the Bronze Age is much more um, goods, trade, trade, like barter, barter. Yeah. yeah, it's not really, it's not really. Uh, there aren't large-scale mints. It's not like the Roman Empire where they're just they actually have mints and they're making, you know, yeah. big large-scale mining operations. It's not like that. So do we want to dig more into, like, those differences? Like, what is the Iliad actually about versus what we're seeing uh, in this film? Just to kind of resolve that part of my brain anyway, because I mm. was like, this seems... Wait, is this... I kind of vaguely recall something like this happening. Yeah. But, like, main thing being, like... What I recall is Achilles was like dipped in some fucking shit that made him invulnerable and they were holding his heel. Mm. And that's why he can only die when he's shot through the heel. Yeah, in the yeah. film, it's just Brad Pitt's just shot in the heel and there's no explanation for why that killed. It, like he's just a great fighter and it just happens to be the heel. It's not that important. So that's obviously like a big difference. Uh, but like, I yeah. think that's emblematic of the types of differences we're seeing because it's kind of trying to do something more, quote, realistic then yeah I, I could understand her choice for not having the gods in it because it's just it, it, it's just endlessly complex and and they can't you can't do a movie called troy and not show the horse and not show the achilles heel thing but because you've not included the gods and you've not included all, all the themes that go with that it, it loses all its resonance then yeah so i think i think that's a fair point he's less supernatural he's more yeah. just an amazing warrior that yeah. can rally the troops whereas in, in the, the poem in, in the poem he is supernatural mm. Achilles is super like he's a hero, and what and what the, what hero means in Greek is not what it means in modern in the modern sense. Like a hero is a, is a, is a character who has some kind of godly uh, descent. Yeah, like Hercules. Like Hercules, yeah. Um, so Achilles, Achilles is his mother is uh, Thetis is 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 a sea nymph, she, so she's divine, and his, his father is not. Um, and she's the in the film she's the woman who she meets him in the pool and she kind of explains to him the choice he has the if speech yes you know if he goes to try which is correct and and which is leaning into the the themes of the of the the, one of the themes of the poem that that's Mm. a central theme it's it one of the central points of the poem is that is dichotomy yeah what's right and what's wrong it's binary choice. Things, things like she says she has some line that his glory is tied up in his doom. Yeah. So he can basically choose glo- immortality. Yeah, and he and often in, in later writings in classical era, he's referred to as doomed Achilles. Like that's doomed that's who he's often, yeah. often referred to. 
Um, but just to just to put it in 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 the play, so the other parts of the epic cycle. So it starts with a thing called the Cypria, and that that's the judgment of Paris. So that's where that's how Paris is awarded the love of Helen. And he's awarded the love of Helen because he's asked to choose which of the goddesses is the prettiest, which is a fucking trap. If ever you heard one like <laughs> it's with Aphrodite. So yeah. Aphrodite and Hera and you know and, and Athena and they're all trying to convince Paris, pick me, pick me, pick me. And he chooses Aphrodite because she says to him, I will award you the love of the most beautiful woman in the world. Now unfortunately she's already married. It makes more sense than what happens in the film yeah right because yeah, there's no way she just goes off of him the fucking yeah. side of him like. and isn't it, is it right though mark that there's some versions because there's count there's not just homer's version of the iliad like there's countless mm. different like greek sources yeah. that recount the same thing from a different angle and so in some versions he kidnaps her it's not lover or, or anything yeah. like that it's for, it's a forceful for, for me for, for me and look this is just my opinion I, I i just don't think that makes any sense Mm. Like the point is, it's the reward is the love of the woman. Mm. She goes with him because she's in love with him. Mm. In 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 the play, it, it, the, reading it doesn't make it doesn't make sense thematically any other way than that because his reward for picking the goddess of love is love. Like that's it. It just doesn't make sense otherwise. It doesn't make sense that he kidnaps her and rapes her. That's just not. Yeah. And is Paris a foppish sort of? Not at all. This is what I was thinking. like in the in the Iliad. Paris is or, or in the in the in the epic cycle. So Paris is an interesting character because he is the son of Priam. One of one of Priam has a lot of sons. Okay. Like Hector's the the principal one. He's the heir. But I mean, he, I think he has ten sons. So it's crazy. And he has a daughter, Cassandra, who is left yeah. out, which I was pissed off yep. with. Because you know who is the who's who one of the characters in the Game of Thrones lore is sort of based on Cassandra. But anyway, he, so Paris is a, is a, is a child, but is a but like like there often is about these hero characters is a prophecy about Paris. Like you mm. know, he, he like he he will be the doom of Troy, you know, mm. and so he's left out to die in the wilderness, and he's picked up by a shepherd and raised by a shepherd, and then he realizes much later on that he's. The Prince of Troy, and there's a whole backstory where he comes the back and he's the sounds a lot more interesting. The than BBC the... did a version of yeah. the Troy story a few years ago, and that's the tale they tell. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it includes the gods. And Paris yeah. is not this like simpering, wimpish kind of character. He's not like he's not all like fabulous and everything. Like he's a warrior. Like, mm. like he's not glistening. You know, in body the, oil. you know, you know, in the movie, <laughs> he has to fight with Menelaus, and he just, he just, he just scampers away from him. Like that's yeah. not what happens. In the play. Like in, in in the epic cycle. He fights Menelaus. He does lose. Mm. Menelaus does defeat him. But Menelaus is no joke. Like this is this guy is like I'll, well, I get to Menelaus played by Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, I'll, well. I'll get to Menelaus yeah. in a minute. Like, yeah. but, but he he's no joke. So it's not it, it's not a shameful thing that he loses the fight. But he survived because the gods wisp him away. Like Aphrodite saves him. Mm. It's, it's not it's not that he runs away like a little. It's really you know, bad in the film as well. Like really you know, bad, for. Yeah whatever you want to say about Orlando Bloom's performance, it's just written into the story that he's such an idiot and a, such a loser mm. that he's like, I'll go and fight for this and we'll settle it like men. And then they kind of do that. And his mistake is just he fight. Like he could have fought and died and settled the whole thing. There yes. is what it's presented as. And yeah. he's just kind of whimpering and clutching his brother's leg, yeah. which is like the, uh, yeah, he is was he- insisting on doing this thing as well. Like it's such a, Oh, he's the most—he's the most easy character to hate by the, a he, long he, shot. You know, yeah, he, I mean, he's the reason yeah, all this yeah, shit is yeah, happening. Yeah, he has yeah. no redeeming features in the yeah, film yeah. at all. Whereas, whereas in the in the epic cycle, he isn't like that. He's—he's he's not. He doesn't run away from his destiny. Like it's not—it's not—it's not what he. You know, he's not like that at all. He does try to end it 
for that reason. He's like, I've brought this war on. I'll let me mm-hmm. let me end it. I killed Menelaus, and that'll that'll be it. But you know, there's the line in the movie. He's like, make him swing and miss. He'll tire. Menelaus is not getting tired. He's also divine. He's, he's so Menelaus is one of what what's referred to as the Atreides. So so they're, they're, that's a family of Greek heroes. The Agamemnon and Menelaus' father is called Atreus or Atreus. Um, fans of the computer game God of War will know Atreus because that's he's one of the characters in it. Um, and they're descended from this guy called Tantalus, and and he was a king who who challenged the gods, and and because he did that, they were put a curse was put on their family. It's called the curse of the house of Atreides, and the curse is that is that like basically there will be family drama forever. <laughs> that's what it is, right? is this the name in Dune as well? Like the Atreides, Atreides yeah, that's yeah. what the family are called. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. What I love though about the Iliad version compared to the movie was like is to see the capricious nature of the gods, mm. like and to see that Zeus The gods are awful, awful characters. Oh yeah, and the Greek myth. Yeah, and, and and Zeus is like the referee. Yeah. Cause and at, even at one stage we were chatting about <laughs> like he's he's because well basically what happens is that Aphrodite, the Apollo, Artemis, and Ares take the sides of the Trojans and Athena, Poseidon, Hera and Hermes take the sides of the Greeks. And they're all fighting and rowing and then you have Zeus at one stage just being like, okay, time out, as you were saying, Mark. Calm down, you know, like it's gone too far. And then he allows, you know, he allows hostilities to resume and Apollo sends a plague. And like you said, Aphrodite... um, intervenes to save uh to 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 save paris so you've all these little kind of they're real characters and i suppose if they included that in the film it would have yeah it would have been a different film completely different it would have been a entirely different but also the cast would just be extraordinarily large to do that you know like but just just to go back to the the cycle so it's the is the judgment of paris then it's the iliad which which is which is part of the war with the Iliad I'll explain what that's about in a minute then there's the Ethiopis which is, which is when Trojan allies arrive to fight the Achaeans and one of their allies is, is a guy called Memnon and Memnon is from Ethiopia mm. and he arrives up with a large army of Amazons so they come into the battle then at that point as well uh, then there's a thing that's called hilariously called the Little Iliad and the Little Iliad has, is the thing that has the Trojan horse that's where that happens mm. and it also has a dispute over the arms of Achilles which will make more sense in a minute then there's the sack, which is the which is yeah. the destru- destruction of the city. That's a whole separate like. These are all different poems, yeah. Mm. Then there's a thing called the nostoi, and the nostoi is about the return of the leaders back home, back to Greece yeah. after they've sacked it, and that's where the curse of the Atreides comes in because Agamemnon and Menelaus don't have a great time when they get back. Particularly Agamemnon has a bad old time when he gets back. And there's a whole cycle of Greek plays that are outside of the epic cycle that are written much later and- that are about that are about what happens with his family. Then there's the Odyssey, Ooh. and then there's the Telegony, which is the which is about Telegony. How, how Sean Bean does die. How Sean Bean eventually yeah. gets it because you can't you can't get away with it forever, Sean. You know? <laughs> so and, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say as well. You see in the film that Menelaus is killed by um, who is it that kills him? Is it Hector? Um, it's probably Hector. Yeah, yeah, it is Hector because yeah. he he comes. He's like, "You left me for this," and he's like shouting, and then Hector stabs him. Yeah, yeah uh, afterwards. No, Menelaus uh, doesn't die in the Trojan War. And this is it. And but so in the film, he, he you see him dying. Helen, like, and this is like, the thing. And I was oh. when I read that, I was like, "Sorry." So basically, she goes back to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or forcibly, or yeah, whatever. What are the yeah. main changes between 
Iliad and the film beyond the obvious of like gods and Orlando Bloom. <laughs> mm. Like, cause I, I, they definitely changed the ending for a lot of the characters, mm. right? Yeah. So Agamemnon and Menelaus don't die mm. in, in the sack of Troy. They both survive. They both go back. That's what the Nostoy is about. And then there's a series of plays, uh, about what happens. Agamemnon comes back and is murdered by his wife. But the reason he's murdered by his wife is because he sacrificed their daughter. Change the weather to allow the ships to, oh. to, to get to Troy in the first place. Another kind of Game of Thrones pulled from very the much so. Very so what uh, happened? What happens is the curse of the House of, of Atreides is that you you are basically cursed to commit the most heinous crimes in the, in the Bronze Age world, yeah. which is familial murder. Mm-hmm. So she kills Clytemnestra, is her name. She kills Agamemnon. It, it, it bears mentioning, by the way, that Clytemnestra is Helen's twin sister. Mm. She kills her and her her, her boyfriend uh, kill Agamemnon and then Agamemnon's son Orestes takes vengeance and kills his mother and stepfather and then he's chased by the Furies and there's a poem called the, the Oresteia and it's about him trying to reason with the gods and it's and there's a there's a court case and Apollo comes in and it's the judge and stuff it's a it's a whole bit it's 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 really cool you should check it out it's it's quite good it's a short play I feel like Mark just listening to you talk about uh, Greek history um it's incredible it sounds like you know the family tree of every <laughs> ancient Bronze Age family I won't go that far I won't lie very little, impressive yeah. I'm a little lost there's yeah. a lot of characters about yeah. uh, you know but I think that's kind of that's what it's like reading one so of the, these so right? the, okay so so let, let me say the principal characters in the movie so there, there's, there's Priam Hector Paris Helen Achilles Agamemnon Odysseus Menelaus right most of those people do not die in the Trojan War Okay, uh, none of them die in the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Okay, none of them. Like it just doesn't like including Achilles. That he doesn't die in the Iliad. That's not what the Iliad is about. And when people say the Iliad is about the Trojan War, it isn't about the Trojan War. It's much much simpler. The poem itself is very very simple, and the first word of the play, of the poem tells you what it's about. The first word is menin, which is where the word meningitis comes from. And menin is the Greek word rage. So the first line of the Iliad is menin aideteo paladio akaleos ulo menin. And that means rage, seeing goddess of Peleus' son Achilles, his rage, murderous and doomed. That's what the poem is about. That's what the, that's what the story is about. It's about Achilles losing his humanity from rage. And there's a lot of it as well that within the Iliad, and this is different from the film, is that within the Iliad, a, a large portion of it is Achilles essentially agonizing over whether to have the fam- happy family life yeah. that's promised to him. The whole or thing is dichotomy. It immortal glory yeah. uh, as a warrior. So even he's, though he he's, knows he's, he's presented with dead. a choice when the Trojan War is when, the, when they're forming the basis for the Trojan War, he's presented a choice by his mother. You can live a long and happy life and be forgotten in three generations, or you can never be forgotten but die in this war. Whereas in the film, he gets that choice from his mother. But he seems to like decide glory fairly quickly. Like, um, and there's even a, a, a child who speaks to him and says something like, uh, "You know, I'm afraid of mm-hmm. you know, the future, or whatever." And he says, he says to the child, "That is why no one will ever remember your name." Yeah, that's and not you're like, yeah. <laughs> what a dick! Like, in fairness, Achilles is a bit of a, like he's a bit of a spoiled child in this. He's yeah. very temperamental, yeah. you know. And, and kind of in the play, yeah, as well. Like, the play opens, okay, so the, so the second sort of stanza, or the second sort of line of the play, is, is, is it says, Begin then, muse, when the two first broke. Agamemnon, lord of men, and brilliant Achilles. 
So the whole thing is the Iliad opens with Achilles like losing his temper. And the reason he's lost his temper is because Agamemnon is, is breaking the rules of civility. And he's doing that because as spoils of war, he's taken this woman called Chryseis. And she is the daughter of a priest. And the priest came and offered ransom. And then the rules of war in Bronze Age Greece, you have to accept the ransom if it's the correct amount of money or if it's a reasonable amount of money. And Agamemnon refuses to do it. And Achilles is furious. Because he's saying, you're dishonouring the entirety of the Greek army here by not taking the ransom. Eventually, Agamemnon relents. But he doesn't really relent. So he takes the ransom and he gives Chryseis back. But because Achilles spoke out against him, he takes Briseis from Achilles, who is his spoil, his woman that he had captured. Yeah. And that dishonours Achilles to the extent that he refuses to fight. Which you see in the movie. Mm. But the difference in the movie is, the Greeks go to fight anyway, and the Trojans are fighting with them, and, and he shows Achilles up on a sand dune, and he's like, bring the line back and get back in line, and you know, control the order of advance, and you're not... No, in the Iliad, Achilles prays to the gods to make the Greeks lose. And he speaks to Zeus. He speaks to Zeus, yeah. yeah. And he wants them to lose because he's furious that Agamemnon is breaking the rules. He's not doing what you're supposed to do. He's letting his emotion override his rationality. And that's the core concept. It's what the Greeks refer to as nemesis. It's, it's, it's the, your inner beast versus your rational mind. A lot of their writings, a lot of Greek uh, poems and dramas, that's what they're really principally concerned of. What is civilization? What is rationality? What is clear thought human versus, versus your hormonal reactions, yeah. your lust, your anger, your, you know, these kinds of things. And the, the Iliad is a tragedy in a sense that Achilles begins to play outrage that somebody is behaving wrong. And then his response unmans him. He, he becomes a force of nature. And the thing that does that, the thing that makes him relent and go back to fight for the Greeks, isn't that the Greeks are losing and they are losing the war. Without him, they're losing it. The, the gods are starting to side with the Trojans. The Trojans are almost at the Greek ships. And Agamemnon sends Odysseus to try and convince him. He sends another great Greek hero who's, not, who's one of my favourites, but he's not, really, he's not in the movie, called Diomedes. We can do a fancy about him maybe later. But uh, he, he sends him. He can't convince him. He's like the second best warrior. He sends Ajax the, the greater. He can't do it. Nobody can do it. So eventually Patroclus comes to Achilles and he says, we're going to lose this war and many Greeks will die. And Achilles' response is, that's, that's fate. That's, you know, actions have consequences. You must behave correctly or you will suffer the consequences. Eventually Patroclus convinces Achilles to let him wear his armor. Mm. Now, even that in itself is a thing in, in, in Greek society because Patroclus is, is beco- is, becomes Achilles' shadow self. He's wearing the armor. A person's armor is much more important in Greek myth, which I'll ex- explain again in a minute. So he goes into battle as, as Achilles and Hector kills him. And this is the thing that finally gets Achilles to rejoin the Greek forces. But in doing so, he prays to the gods again. And he says to Hephaestus, the, the, the smith of the gods, make me new armor. But the armor he makes him is, is this like golden, shining, ridiculous yeah. kind of armor. Not fit for a man. But Achilles is not a man. His rage is so powerful that he essentially becomes the god of rage. He, nobody can reason with him. Nobody can speak to him. 
nobody can talk to him. Patroclus is dead and he has completely lost his humanity because of the rage. And he goes into the front line pushing soldiers out of his way and he just starts butchering people. And we see as well when he drags the body of Hector on yeah. the back of the... And that's in the Iliad as well yeah. where he drags yeah, yeah. his body on There's the, a line in the movie that is in the... Or is similar to what's in the Iliad where he says, let's make a deal that whoever wins the battle treats the other's body with respect. And Achilles says, lions make no packs with men. Yeah, that was a good yeah, line. Yeah. yeah, that's because it's from the Iliad. Mm-hmm. He does yeah, say yeah. that too. <laughs> Best lines in this film are from Homer. There's a, there, there's a point where <laughs> a- Achilles' brutality is so vicious that uh, he kills so many men that there's a the river outside Troy is called the Scamander River. And it begins to choke with blood. And then the river god himself rises up out of anger and Achilles kills him. He kills a god. He's completely unstoppable. He's, he's not a man and, and the whole the, the thematic point is that it's the tragedy of the person's rational self being overcome with rage right. and when and he he hunts Hector down Hector actually tries to run from him at first but he, he finds him and, and kills him and it's the tragedy is the undoing of Achilles as a man the the, the movie has a scene where Priam comes to him mm. the Trojan king that's the crescendo of the, of the Iliad. Achilles goes back to the camp having just butchered the uh, Trojan For forces. me, it's the best. It's the best, it's the best scene, yeah. scene of the film, yeah. Because Peter O'Toole's in it. Yeah. And uh, in, the, in the poem, this is the point, Priam's love for his son and his extreme piety and, and the correctness of his behavior is what causes Achilles to relent. It's what brings his humanity back. He, in, in, the, in the poem, he talks to Achilles about his own father, Peleus, who, who they say in the movie is dead. He's not dead in the poem. But he talks to him, he's like, what would Peleus think of you for behaving this way? And this is what makes Achilles relent, the, the love he has for another, another person, his so father. Even enemies can show respect. Yeah. Give me this small mercy. Give me the small mercy. Yeah. So he gives the body back and they agree that they'll have funeral games or whatever. That's the thing that sates Achilles rage. That's why that scene is important. And Priam comes in and kisses his hands. I'm kissing yeah. the hands of the man who killed my child. This kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's that emotion. And in 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 the play, Achilles just starts crying. Like he just falls apart emotionally. But what what you need to understand is the relationship with Patroclus. Like this is not. It, it doesn't really make sense in the in the movie. They're just like, oh, it's his cousin. Yeah. He's not his cousin. Like, like they're lovers. Yeah, he's his chariot driver, right? He's his chariot driver. He's his shadow self. That's the way he's described. He's his lover. They're, they they are lovers. This isn't a debate. Like this is this is this is settled. They're lovers. Achilles is what you might well, call. Why him. isn't it mentioned in the film? Why is it just because it doesn't have the emotional resonance because it says he's just his cousin? You well, know in what the I mean? film as well, they play up the love affair he has with Breeze's yeah. taken away, which from also him. happens in the thing. In, yeah. in, in, what, what's that? Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne. Yeah. yeah, she's really good. Actually. She's good actor. Yeah. yeah. It, it it bears mentioning that like you know. The, that's not unusual to the Greeks that the, he would ha, you'd, you'd have a, a lover who's male, but also have a female lover or a wife. That's those things. Those two things are not in, in Greek society are not contrast. They don't have a word for gay in ancient Greek. It just doesn't exist. The concept doesn't but exist. For me, what's unusual is in the film they don't show that at all. They decide to make and him his cousin. It would have yeah. made a lot more sense. You would like you would have understood his rage a lot more because he does become extremely inhuman after i know yeah. he's supposed to be a demigod or whatever but still like he he you can see the anger in his eyes and, mm. and the fact that he the way he drags 
uh, Hector's body through the sand. But like, there's, an important, like that. there's an important it's, point as well in the movie that they don't show, which I, I was surprised by because they didn't need to have the Patroclus thing. Patroclus wears Achilles' armor when he fights Hector. Hector kills him and he takes the armor and wears it. Mm. So when Achilles fights Hector, he's fighting himself. Hector is representative of the civil mind of honor. Hector is a hero. He's a heroic character. Even in me- even even in medieval culture, Hector is held was revered. The honor, honor, because he dies for his city. He dies for a bigger cause than himself. Whereas yeah. Achilles is no longer a man. He's rage, and it's a way of showing that Achilles, by killing Hector, is killing himself. Mm. He's sacrificing himself for the Greeks. That's that's all that's very true. deep stuff. It's all deep stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but none of that is in the movie, of course, because yeah, he's just yeah, there in his yeah. Trojan armor that they just invented. We've got him. fireballs in the movie, though, yeah, and yeah. night attacks and arrows. Well, so. the play. I mean, the play, the play has the gods throwing bolts of lightning at people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, yeah. but yeah, none of none of that sort of emotional resonance and none of the themes of the, the poem make it into the movie, which is which is really disappointing. But like, just to, just to finish on on Patroclus, like. Later writers in Greek antiquity, it, it's it's very clear. Plato writes about this. It's very clear they're lovers. Mm. It's, it, it like if anyone tells you, oh, it's not, they're full of shit. They're, those guys are lovers. Achilles is what we might call like a power bottom. Like Patroclus is older. He's the older man. It, you know, it's not Definitely like the way not it is older in, in the film. He's not older in the film. Like, and that's kind of how they he, play it up as like my young cousin, he doesn't want him to go into yeah, battle and no. like wants to protect he, him. Every battle he went into was with Patroclus. Patroclus was a badass. Like a badass, badass warrior. Like, and they were lovers. And that's, and there, there, is no, there is no two ways about it. It's powerful homoeroticism, man. You need to just get on board. That's what it is. Like, So if you don't like it, tough shit. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, um, I wonder why that didn't make it into this Hollywood Yeah, film. right. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah. Can't, we can't have Brad Pitt play, play, play a man who has, who has, you know, he was bisexual or whatever, you know. The, yeah, it sounds actually right. interesting. Well, he does roll up and shout Hector over and over, and I think that's oh, that a lot was better. A great, yeah. A lot yeah. better than him just, you know, the, the whole theme of him shedding his humanity. Why have yeah. that when we can just have him shout? I would have loved if that time, because I think he shouted shouts the name nine or ten times like at the gate i would have loved if someone who had just like popped their head over real monty python said he's popped out (laughs) he's on the pub he's actually left he's not here (laughs) yeah Yeah. achilles Achilles in a lot of ways i was just going to say to you michael is is, it's it's similar to kukulan oh yeah yeah you can see and especially the you can see the similarities between the two in the rage um that they both go into this supernatural force that they're both heroes who will represent the army of their people and uh, for our champions essentially oh Oh, god yeah we should have so kukulin is is the irish irish it's like like the irish myth version of achilles yeah, yeah yeah but you will find all across europe like this myths of the bronze age and the gods and all of those things there are similarities across all the cultures, you know? Like, it's not just, the, the, you know, people often say, like, why do the Romans have the same gods as the Greeks? Like, we all have the same gods as the Greeks. Like, they're not, they're not. You might call them Odin and Thor. Yeah. And the Greeks but call them Zeus. Like, same god. Speaking gods. of the Romans, there was one thing, I don't know if it's in the theatrical cut, but in the director's cut, when um, Troy is actually being sacked, Oh, Paris gives the sword yes. of Troy to Aeneas. Yeah, yeah. So dreadful. you get it, it, what's what's that about? So in the, there's a ro- the, one of the Roman myths about themselves, um, and I think Virgil who wrote Virgil, the, yeah. the Aeneid is that uh, it was a prince of an exiled prince of Troy who was given the sword, the apparent sword of Troy, and was told that as long as this sword is held by a Trojan, Troy will always exist. And you see in the like just before Paris, Orlando Bloom is escapes in the film. 
um, he hands this sword to this random young lad. Yeah. He's like, what is your name? And he's like, Aeneas. And he's like, okay. What is your name? Like, Aeneas yeah. is one of the Trojan leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, he's like... And he takes the sword, but it's sort of this little thing, like it's giving credence to the fact that later Aeneas was supposedly escaped to Italy. Um, and Yeah, so, the... So, so the context of that is Virgil was a ro- much later, centuries later, yeah. as in the time of Octavian. Yeah. Like way later, the first emperor. Virgil was a poem who was co- a poet who was commissioned to write a poem that could stand up to the Odyssey. So he wrote the, the, the Aeneid. And the Aeneid is, I don't want to say it's a copy of the Odyssey, but it's not far off a copy of the Odyssey. Similar teams. All yeah. similar teams. And it's, it's, but it's the survivors of Troy going on this great sea quest through the Mediterranean, eventually landing in Italy. And their descendants go on to, Latium and go, go on to form Rome. Mm. Their Check out the yeah. Aeneid if you like the Odyssey. Yeah. It's actually better in parts, I yeah. think. Well, yeah, I, I believe there's like uh, a million more things we could get into. It really indeed, is. <laughs> we, uh, I'm just warming up. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we will at <laughs> patreon.com slash real history podcast <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. for all of the bonus discussion. But is there anything you want to fit into our main episode here uh, on Troy? I, I, th- I think. F- one thing I will say is I thought the horse looked pretty good. Yeah, I, d- yeah. I do think the horse looked pretty good. Yeah, like, in, like it did. Yeah, in in the midst that's that was Odysseus' idea. They do a good like kind of scene where it just looks like Shami just kind of sort of raises an eyebrow like he's come up with an idea. Well, they have shown <laughs> that me, was really funny. They have shown me like look at someone else carving a horse. Yeah, it's like oh that's, <laughs> that's nice. I think yeah. which so feels like such a Marvel moment. Yeah, kind of, of it's like so spotting, convenient. Like yeah, like so some cool. reference to like oh yeah, wait a minute, <laughs> like real. Wait a minute, Tony like, Stark's like, arc reactor. It's like the Willy Wonka prequel, and he's just out there like, wait, chocolate makes you fly, and also kills children. I'm in. Um, but no, the horse did look good. I, I liked the horse. I actually liked the sack of Troy scene. I think you were saying that earlier, Mick. Like, yeah, I, I liked how chaotic yeah. and, and bloody and violent it seemed yeah. to be. A lot because, of babies thrown around. Yeah, yeah well, you see, rough, in, the, yeah. in the epic cycle, they do make, there is a point at which they talk about Hector's baby being thrown from the walls of Troy. Like, it's pretty brutal, like. Like, you know this whole thing, he was like, I'm dying. He's like, going out to protect his wife and the shot. They both did, like, die really bad deaths. Like, it's, and they escape, obviously, in the film. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, they, they do not escape in, in the actual stories, you know. And Aeneas's group that he leads out of Troy, there aren't that many of them, like, mm. you know. Michael, any closing thoughts on oh, Troy? Oh, well, like, for me, I think from the very beginning, it's all the glistening body oil. And, you know, uh, everything is sun-drenched. Mm. Um, Troy, for me, looks... Glistening, and they, the glistening too, body of Brad Pitt and they don't make it home or That's what I'm there's saying. No yeah. excuse, like, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no excuse. There's no excuse for this. Like, like, there must have been half price on body oil. I mean, you come know, on, I don't know what's going could've on. Could have made a billion instead of 500 Could have made a billion. Yeah. Um, and then just some of the ham- hammy lines like so at the beginning you have um pa- you, you have paris or orlando bloom and he arrives into helen's room you know um while they're still in uh in tr- in um sparta and he's like uh, she's like you should not have come here tonight and he's like that's what you said last night <laughs> uh, you know and all oh, these <laughs> There's, There's a lot a, of stuff that feels very much not like an epic poem yeah, in the film that's yeah. mixed in with stuff that's actually... And it also feels like the writers, like, never met a woman, like, you know? <laughs> it's, a lot like, it's a lot like Game of Thrones in that stuff that's taken from the book is actually really good, and yes. then there's other stuff they put in as well. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, I, re- I really, really like the effort of Peter O'Toole mm. and Brian Cox and Brendan Gleeson to bring 
a level of performance to bad writing. A bit of gravitas. But they just yeah, like his yeah. perform. I, I think O'Toole's yeah. performance was actually quite yeah. good. Like you know, he had he, Peter O'Toole plays like a surprised person oh, very well with his big eyes. Yeah, he's like, <gasps> you know, you know. just shock all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love Peter O'Toole as an actor and um, like famously years ago he was in a pub in Ireland I think I said to you before there's videos on uh, you can go on YouTube and see him interviewed but he was in a pub in Ireland with Richard Harris and they didn't want to leave you know at closing time because in Ireland especially years ago the hours for closing were quite you know early in the night um so the two of them ended up buying the pub just so <laughs> they could stay open uh, so I've yeah, very fond of Peter. O'Toole, Commitment you know. to the cause. There well. you go. Yeah, very much so. Um, but no, to finish on the probably the hammiest line in the whole thing was Achilles when they're arriving on the beach at the beginning. Oh, I know the line you're going to say. Yeah, beyond that beach is immortality. Take it; it's yours. You know, <laughs> which is such a yeah, yeah, yeah. It grabs line. you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure straight from the Iliad. Well, speaking of, <laughs> assuming know. our listeners don't want to run out and get a copy of the Iliad and actually read that. Uh, source material are mm. there any other books on Bronze Age history or this time period in general you'd recommend I, I would actually recommend Stephen Fry's yes. book Fry yeah. mm. it's he just has such an engaging way of writing he assumes you know nothing um, which is good which is good yeah but even if you do know something it that it, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a labour at all it's no. very engaging he has that's the third in a cycle of books he did Mythos, Mythos and Heroes are the first yeah. two they're also really good if you have any interest in Greek yeah. history, uh, Greek myths. Those are actually the main ones I'd recommend. But mm. you know, like I, I, ahead of academia, those are. The but ones he I'd turns recommend. them in as well, and he does a great job of humanizing the gods yeah. and turning it into sort of almost soap opera. Par- apparently, in the, aud- <laughs> in the audiobook version, he does like regional accents for yeah. them and everything. Apparently, which I, I'm going to have to look at because that just mm. sounds hilarious. Yeah, yeah. so Imagine I, I think Bellerophon as a Yorkshireman or something would be very funny. Like. Because I, I, I don't know, if you try and read the Iliad, it can be, you know, it is a po- epic poem. If, if you're going to read it, tough, my, my preferred translation is the Robert Fagel's translation. I, I just, it just, it's just punchier. It's, it's just sort of sharper. It's, you know, that's why, you're, you know, when I said the first word is menin. Mm. Uh, in a lot of translations, the first word they'll say is uh, sing or mm. muse. But it's more powerful to say the first word is rage. Yeah. It's it's you setting know? you up straight away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what to do. Ideo paladio akaleos sulomenin. That's much. That's much better. It's, it's and, better. Yeah, and with those words, uh, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as I said, go to Patreon.com/slash Real History Podcast for our bonus discussion where we get into more of all of this goodness, yeah. uh, as well as other topics, uh, suggestions from our listeners, and you can also go there to vote on which episodes we uh, will cover. In this. I was just going to say that if you sign up, you can ask us to do you know what? specific episodes yeah. Yeah, on specific topics uh, and lots of other goodness at Patreon.com/slash Real History Podcast. But I believe for Troy and uh, for the the little wooden horse for now that's the end of the reel cheers take it easy rage <laughs> 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 <laughs>